I want to, I want to just, I hate to end this time together. It's been precious, but I want to end this with different ways that we receive our healing, different ways that we receive our healing. And this has been amazing to me over the years as I've walked with the Lord and received myself healing in different ways and methods that God makes available. I've certainly been used by the Lord in different methods and ways to see God's goodness manifest in our bodies, to see God's will come to pass in our bodies and His good pleasure in healing our bodies. And I've come to learn that God loves us so much that He has given us many ways to be healed as points of contact for our faith. That many times we're just at different places and God wills to heal us so much that he gives us these different methods, these different ways, depending on where our faith is so we can make a faith connection with him. Because all of the methods and ways that God heals involves a measure of faith, a measure of faith. I also have learned just in relationship with him and loving him and loving people that I believe God offers these different ways to be healed to manifest his great love for you and that he truly does care about you and wants to meet you wherever you are. I'm glad we don't serve a God that's way up here and says, if you'll get up here, I'll do something for you, but that he comes down here. The gospel and good news is God came to us. We didn't come to God. I even use the phraseology. I shouldn't do it, but I talk about people finding God. How many of you know God wasn't lost? God finds us. I know what I mean when I say people find God, but I, I need to be careful in my verbiage there. But God is the one that found us. God came to us. God saved us. God initiated in grace eternity with him for each and every one of us, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord. And so he initiates in grace healing to help us with our faith, depending on where we're at or what we're going, going through. I have been through things and seasons in my life, if I'm honest, this, I don't know how this will fly. People say they want an honest preacher, but when you're honest, they don't like it. <laughs> They'd rather you lie to them and act like you're this great man of God. And anyway, there's just been points in my life I was weak in faith at the time. And then there's other points in my life, man, I'm, I'm, I'm stronger than horseradish, uh, <laughs> in my faith, and you just don't want to mess with me in that season. The devil flees at my presence. Other times, I'm fleeing at his. So we all go through these ebbs and flows of our faith, and there's no guilt in that in my heart. There's no shame. Thank God for these different ways. When I'm facing something, I can, I can find comfort in a certain method or a way God heals and really, really tie in there. So let me cover these eight very quickly, and then we'll go back and dig into a couple of them. But eight different ways that God heals, number one, through the laying on of hands, the laying on of hands. And it's still amazing to me how people can really read the scriptures and not see how much is in the Bible on the laying of hands. It's one of the, it's one of the doctrines of the church. In Hebrews chapter 6, one of our primary elementary rudimentary doctrines of the faith is the laying on of hands. That there's something to people in faith who lay hands on people by faith that miracles and signs and wonders truly happen. And so it's, a, it's, it's amazing all that's in there on that. Number two, the anointing of oil. The anointing of oil and how that God has given to the church, I personally believe, a sacrament of the anointing of oil and that the elders play a role in us receiving our healing at different ages and stages of our life through the anointing of oil. Uh, number three, the prayer of agreement. Learning how to agree and what it means to agree. I love you. I'm not being hard on you. But I can't tell how many times even the Spirit of the Lord has given me a word of wisdom. When I've prayed for somebody and they've asked me to agree, they're not agreeing with me. That they're healed. If you're going to get me to pray the agreement of prayer or prayer of agreement... You need to agree with me. 
I'm not going to agree with you and your symptoms. I'm not going to agree with your family and their doubt and unbelief. I'm not going to agree with the report of the doctor. I'm going to agree with Jesus. You need to agree with me. And the prayer of agreement, the scriptures teach a synergy. I can't explain it. Just like the laying on of hands is not magic. Anointing's not magic or mystical. It's a contact of faith. It has to do with faith obedience. It's not even legalism and works of something we got to do now to get something. No, we believe in God in his presence. We yield by faith to, to his instructions. We receive by faith our healing. And so the prayer of agreement is one of the ways that God heals. Number, number four is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I have flown in these to a measure. I pray I flow in them more. I, I would like to see our church develop more in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, where that the gifts of healings, the working of miracles, those are gifts from the Holy Spirit that are among us, and a lot of churches just totally reject it. So they're rejecting literally the goodness of God in their life when they reject the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so the Lord's used me some in this. I think something happened years ago. I was flowing more in these things, publicly even, and when I began to kind of delegate more to the altar workers, I don't, know, I don't know if I disengaged a little bit trying to honor the altar workers and the body because we needed to learn to not look to one person. And if, if God only heals by the gifts of the Holy Spirit, most of you are up a creek without a paddle. <laughs> because, I mean, people just don't operate in these like God has willed. And it's real, and, and many do. But you don't have to be at the mercy of somebody with that gift if you understand the other different ways that God heals. But that is one way that God certainly heals. Number five, faith in God's Word. Faith in God's Word. I wish I'd have counted how many times as I reviewed all of this. I'm telling you, the Scriptures are just absolutely voluminous with passages on healing and the promises of God to heal. It is amazing how much is really in the Bible on this, on this subject. And, and yet so many good, well-meaning Christians and even churches have missed how many times Jesus said to somebody, be it unto you according to your faith. Not according to, to God's mood. Not according to your holiness. Not according to your church attendance. Not according to you fill in the blank. He said, according to your faith. Many people got healed as you studied Jesus' life. And Jesus didn't even know who it was. There was a lady with an issue of blood. That it's too long to tell the whole story. But she worked her way through a crowd and touched the hem of his garment. And virtue and power went out of him. And he asked his disciples, who touched me? That means he didn't know. That means he didn't. Okay, that's that woman with the issue of blood, and I got some issues with her. <laughs> Buddy, I'm not going to release any power. I'm going to withhold from her because of this issue in her past. He didn't even know who touched him. And the other thing that's amazing is there was a crowd around him and everybody was touching him. And the disciples said, you're being thronged and you're asking us who touched you? You're supposed to think. That's a novel idea at church. You're supposed to think. Evidently, there's touching Jesus trying. There's touching Jesus just thinking it's magical. There's touching Jesus just hoping. And then there's really a touch of faith that power and virtue, the power and virtue that was on Jesus wasn't indiscriminately distributed, but was according to faith. Amen. And so we can get healed based on our relationship with Jesus and our faith in God's word. Number six is signs and wonders. And this one is the greatest mystery to me. I can't fully explain signs and wonders but I've experienced them. Our churches have experienced them. Many of you have told me stories, and that it's just a, 
I don't know. I don't have any answers. I don't know. Like, remember the, um, um, my volume has increased. <laughs> I, I'm not mad. I'm just excited. Sorry. Uh, you remember the story of the, the pool of Bethesda, I think it was called, and the angel that came down and stirred the water? And the first person that fell in got healed? I can't explain that. I don't know how that worked. I, I can't find, I'm sure it's probably in there. There's so much in the Bible we all miss, but I can't even find where there's biblical precedent of that. I don't even know what that was, except that'd be a sign and a wonder. And the book of Acts talks about how that in the presence of God and in certain settings, signs and wonders begin to just break out. It doesn't even record what they were. It's just the, it's just the, I think it's just a holy kiss from God. I think sometimes he just can't help it. He just starts to manifest. He gets so excited. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> and we're all just shell-shocked on what just happened. Uh, but the good news is, for me, and how I live my life, and the passion I have for Jesus, I expect a sign and wonder at any minute. Just expect something I don't understand. It's like, God, I don't care what you do. It, it's kind of like so many, I love you. Some of you are watching, and some of your questions, you're a little bit hung up. I don't want to be mean. It can come across wrong, but you can get hung up on stupid. You can kind of get hung up on... <laughs> On, on your question, and, and you've got to have an answer to this, and you miss your healing because you don't, you don't understand the simplicity of it. You've made it hard, uh, stuck on something. What uh, I believe it ought to be said this way. I don't care how we say it. If you get healed, I'm excited. And so we should expect signs and wonders. Jubilee. I don't know how, why, what the... There's the, the formula is maybe God doesn't want us to figure it out because we'll mess it up. But there's just something about that sanctified time. There's, there's hardly a, a week or two weeks that goes by that somebody doesn't tell me a story about previous jubilees and what God did in their life. And nobody prayed for them. Nobody touched them. Nobody, so signs and wonders are real. We, we just don't understand them. I just expect them. Number seven, and I taught on this, you, you, this series, I literally taught on the Passover meal. There's healing in communion. There's healing in an understanding of the full redemptive work of Jesus on the cross. That on the cross, everything, his life came together. Our sins were placed in his body. Our sicknesses were placed in his body on the tree. Everything, the beating that he took, the crown of thorns, the plucking of his beard, all those things in the natural were bringing him up to redemptive, to redemptive acts of God's mercy and grace on the cross. And when you look at the Passover meal in Exodus that we did, they all left there and there wasn't one feeble one among them. That means they all got healed. And we should expect when we come to communion that we're coming to the table of Jesus and that his body was broken, and I have discernment of his body, which body ye are? That was King James. Did anybody get it? <laughs> which body we are, and I love you in the Lord and as the Lord, and I'm going to treat you as the Lord. Well, I expect every time I take communion for there to be something perhaps in my body I don't know of that's being healed even, that I just expect healing at the Lord's table. And it's one of the methods and ways he heals. And that's 1 Corinthians 11. And then number eight, and I'm on, I'm on this to a measure in my life right now, in this season in my life, um, healing journeys. Healing journeys. Um, I don't think we talk about this enough. I don't think we talk about the 10 lepers enough. That Jesus told them, just go show yourself to the priest. And it says they were healed as they went. So that says to me, a healing journey. Had they not went, they, hadn't, they would not have been healed. But there was a journey they were on. Um, many times Jesus 
required a faith action. Because faith without works is dead. And it's hard to communicate publicly faith actions. Because it can sound like legalism. Like he spit in some mud one time, or dirt, and it turned it into mud. And he puts it on a guy's eyes and says, go wash in this certain pool. Well, why not just heal the guy's eyes? Evidently, there needed to be an action, not legalism. He wasn't earning his healing. He wasn't doing something to get healed. He was out of faith obedience, following the instructions of the Lord, because faith without works is dead. And somehow or another, it was the, you know, well, was it the mud? Was it the spit? It was Jesus. I can do this. Give me a break here. (laughs) It was Jesus. Is that better? Thanks for the coaching. So you get the question. One of the questions I can't answer is when you are in a healing journey, could it be something that the Lord is requiring of you in order for that healing to manifest. See, it's hard to answer that even publicly because it can sound like, if I don't read your posture, if I don't feel, did you get what I really meant, it could sound like legalism again. Yeah, you gotta go do this, do this, and do this, then the Lord will heal you. That's not at all what's happening in our healing journeys. But are there things that the Holy Spirit will tell you? I mean, everybody say, I love. Brother Dwayne, I can't say that. I don't mean it. Mean? How do I say? Look, if you're if you're if if you're overeating and and you weigh six hundred pounds, did I leave everybody out? <laughs> See, I don't want to embarrass anybody. I don't want anybody to judge other people. I mean, some people are are heavy or overweight, and it's not that they overeat. So we got to be careful not to judge even what I'm trying to say. But I am saying if you're overeating and you're 600 pounds, I don't doubt for a minute that you might be on a healing journey and that the Lord might say, you need to cut this back. That wouldn't be a, a, a legalism act of the law. That's an act of faith. It's like, well, my, my knees are hurting. Well, you're 600 pounds. God can heal your knees but they'll be hurting again in a week. See, this isn't working. I got to come up with better illustrations. I don't want to embarrass anybody or, or, or hurt any feelings. I'm trying to make a point that there are times in my life I've been on a healing, healing journey and did the Lord make an adjustment in an area in my life, a chastening? Yes. But did God make me sick to chasten me? To, just like he didn't make me sin either. But if I sin... He'll chasten me, prune me, and teach me something. But it doesn't mean he willed for me to sin or made me sin to chasten me and to teach me something. Does that make sense? Well, sickness is the same way. God's not making you sick to teach you something like some people teach. Because if some people sick, if God's making them sick to teach them something, they better learn soon or they're going to get a face-to-face answer. That means they're going to die. That's my way of saying they're going to die. So, so... We do have to understand these healing journeys. This is, this is not difficult for me, but it seems to be difficult for so many people. One of the questions was a, a, a particular lady has been standing for eight years. That's a long time. And, and I get it. But I, I can't give just a straight out answer on exactly what, unless the Lord told me, gave me a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. Uh, Yet every healing, what we call an instant healing, took time. Well, it didn't take time. You prayed for me and it was instant. It took a second. In God, there's no time of a second and eight years. And that's hard for us to comprehend. Because to us, eight years is a long time. It's, it's a large chunk of what we think is our life, but to God, it's not that. 
It's not even that. So it's hard to explain these things. Well, how come it took a month? And I prayed, and, and a month later I got healed. Other times I prayed, and it was, it was instant. Uh, nobody can answer that if they're honest. These are the mysteries. All right, associated with, with healing. Look at Mark chapter 6. I told you to go there, and I'm not there. Mark chapter 6, verse 1. Let's look at the laying on of hands here. Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? Boy, I've heard that, that crowd. And what wisdom is this which, he give, which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Think of what they're confessing. The guy's got wisdom. We've watched him heal people. But then, look at this. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? How could anybody teach that Jesus didn't have any brothers and sisters? You know how simple the Bible is, really, to understand at large? How could anybody read that and go, well, Mary never had another child. She's the holy mother of God or whatever. Uh, Mary, by the way, Mary is not the mother of God. She's the mother of Jesus. God didn't have a mom. <laughs> Jesus had a mom, the man, who was God, but he was God made flesh, so he had to have a mom anyway. He had brothers and sisters. That's not hard. See, when people miss this, I'm nervous to talk to them about anything else. That's really my point. I'm not trying to be mean or, or uh, confrontational. I'm trying to go, we need to read the Bible and simply believe what it says. Look at this. So they were offended at him. Do you know that people... I'm on Facebook right now, live stream. I'm on YouTube right now, live stream. I'm on my app. I'm on the Victory Life app. There will be people watching that will literally be offended at me talking about how God wills to heal you. That's just sad that those people 2,000 years are still around. They were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now, I don't believe it has to be that way. And I don't have time to explain that. But at large, it is that way in the sense of the more people know you after the flesh, the less apt many times they are and able to see God in you. See, many of you, you love me and you love me dearly, but I know why. You don't know me. <laughs> and the more you would get to know me, you know, that's not really true. I'm trying to make a point because a lot of people that know me intimately love me. So I need to be careful there too. But I'm just saying that a lot of times the reason an evangelist can come in and signs and wonders will start to happen and miracles is because you don't know them. You don't, you don't know them after the flesh. They saw Jesus after the flesh. And this is one of the things that our church has been phenomenal. We have our weaknesses. We have things that we're still working on, generational to fix. But our church has been phenomenal to really honor me, not after the flesh, but after the grace of God in my life. It amazes me even of the favor I do have with people. Uh, look at this, though. Now he could, now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Notice their unbelief, them just seeing things after the flesh and being offended, hindered the power of God in Jesus. Now, let's get, let's, let's get honest and cut to the chase here. Nobody has flown, flown in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Nobody's flown in the anointing like Jesus. He was the body of Christ. <laughs> And the Holy Spirit dwelt on him without measure. We're his body, and the Holy Spirit dwells on us by measure. That's why we need each other, and we need unity, and we need to work together and honor each other. 
because of the different grace of Jesus. But he was full of nothing but grace and truth. And so, but here's the son of God that in his own hometown, because they knew him after the flesh, judged him after the flesh, he could do no mighty work. Every time I read that, it just arrests me. But notice, when the power of God was hindered at its greatest point in Jesus' life, he fell back on at least laying hands on people. It, I can't perform any mighty works because you people are offended at me. There's no faith here. It's full of unbelief. But if a few people will just come forward and let me pray for them, I'll lay my hands on them and I can transfer that anointing that's, that's on flesh and blood. And, and a, few folk, a few sick people got healed through the laying on of hands. Look at this. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. The only cure for unbelief is what we gather and do every time we assemble. Keep teaching, keep teaching, keep teaching. It'll cure the unbelief. And unbelief in a church can hinder the power of God. Or Roberts, I don't like quoting anybody even in a positive way. I can get in trouble, but... Old Roberts talked about how that if you want to get healed, get out of the church. In his day, the church was so backslidden and far from the Word of God, he had to do those tent meetings and get people out of churches full of unbelief where there'd be an atmosphere of faith so miracles and signs and wonders could happen. This is what we're building generationally. This is why we labor like we labor. This is why we... Work on no strife among us and division and, and murmuring and complaining. And we don't want to be a house of unbelief. We don't want Jesus coming to our church and marveling over unbelief. Jesus only marveled two times in the Bible. Marveling is kind of like... That's marveling. <laughs> He marveled at great faith, and he marveled here at unbelief. And yet, in the middle of unbelief, he was able at least to lay hands on people. So what that teaches me by the Spirit and by the Word of God is we must maintain the doctrine of the laying on of hands, even if our church is full of unbelief. We're going to lay hands on the sick, and we're going to see some. One day we'll see all, but today we'll see some. In Luke chapter 13, verse 13, there was a woman bound over, bowed over, but she was bound by a demon. And in Luke 13, 13, Jesus laid hands on her. She was bound over 18 years. And Jesus laid his hands on her and loosed her. In Mark chapter 5, verse 23, Jairus came to Jesus about his daughter, and he said, if you will just come and lay your hands on her, she will be healed. Where did Jairus get that? It just didn't come out of his imagination. He didn't make that up. He had seen Jesus laying hands on children. The Bible says Jesus laid hands on children. He laid hands on that woman bound 18 years. He laid hands on people in his own hometown. Jairus had seen him laying hands on people and them getting healed. So he says, just come and lay your hands on my daughter. Just touch her and she will be healed. Mark 5.30, the woman with the issue of blood. I already talked to you about that, how she touched the hem of his garment. Virtue, power came out of him and healed her. There's a scripture where Jesus had a meeting and it says the power of God was there to heal them all but all of them didn't get healed. But the power of God was there to heal them all. In uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 21, uh, that is a reference to the woman with the issue of blood as well. Go to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. There are people that still make fun of you if you, if you lay hands on people. And they claim to be Christians. Look at Mark 8, verse 22. Then he came to Bethsaida. Everybody say Bethsaida. Bethsaida. 
and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. Just touch him. <laughs> Think about that. Just touch him. We're begging you. Would you just touch him? So he took the blind man by the hand, that's touching him, and led him out of the town. Now, this is interesting. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. I'm sorry. I remember. You preach this stuff. You better get ready. But I was in a meeting. I don't remember where I was. This was years ago. And I don't know if that, it doesn't matter if that guy was testing. It doesn't matter. He come running down to the altar. And he says, if you'll just, he, couldn't, he could see enough to navigate, but he was legally blind. And he says, the Lord told me, if you'll spit in my eyes, I'll be healed. <laughs> what do I got to lose? It's, you said the Lord said, I'm going to spitting. Don't be telling me the Lord said. And expect me to go, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. If you say the Lord said spit, you better dodge. <laughs> and that guy got healed, and I have no idea to this day because I know there is no anointing in my spit. <laughs> I mean, Sue went to kissing me after that meeting like you can't imagine. <laughs> oh, man, you just think of all the COVID fear now, and I'm spitting on people. <laughs> I just want you healed. So I'm sorry, it just came to me. It's not in my notes. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. Then he put his hands on him again. Didn't spit on him again. Thank you, Jesus. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Now look at this. Then he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. Now you've got to read something like that. and You've got to think. You've got to think. Why would... Doesn't the Lord want us to go testify? Doesn't the Lord want us to tell everybody? Bethesda, in, I believe it's Matthew chapter 11, verse 21, was one of the towns that Jesus condemned the whole town for their unbelief. Chorazon, Bethesda, he condemned them because of their unbelief. He said there were a couple of other places they came under God's judgment that had the signs and wonders been done in them, they would have repented long ago. So this town was so full of unbelief. Listen, why did he take the man out of town? Did they have a no spitting law? Sure, the liberals came up with a no spitting law, surely. There's got to be a reason, saints, that he took him out of the town. Why can't he just pray for him in the town? Well, he'd already been in his own hometown, and their unbelief hindered the power of God. Why would not a town he pronounced judgment upon? Because of their unbelief hinder that man's healing. Amen. So he had to take him out of the town of unbelief. Here's another revelation for you. Understanding as we... As we walk with Jesus, these things out. He prayed for him and asked him in so many words, how are you? What do you see? He said, well, I, I, I can see, but it's men like trees. And it says he laid his hands on him again. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to be critical of anybody else, but I was taught you never pray twice. Jesus didn't know that. Somebody should have brought him off to the side and said, that's unbelief. That second prayer was unbelief. Think about what we say. I'm not being mean again. I'm just saying, how can we say it's wrong to pray twice when Jesus prayed twice for a man? I didn't write the Bible. It's right there. And notice he got the man out of the town of unbelief 
But it took praying twice to get the unbelief out of the man. And I can't tell many people I've prayed for that they're better, but it's not there. And I pray again. And then we learn to stand and pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. When the Bible says pray without ceasing, it's not talking about praying all the time, 24-7. I'm not praying right now. <coughs> but I'm praying without ceasing for my voice to stay. <coughs> Where's grandma when you need her? <coughs> My grandfather <laughs> was a moonshiner. <clears throat> I wish he was here now, amen? So we've got the laying on of hands. All right. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 through 18, says that these signs and wonders will follow us that believe. We'll lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. All right, go to James chapter 5. Thank you for my voice, Lord. I may get somebody to lay hands on me. Now look at James 5, 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing a song. Is anyone among you sick? Think about that for a minute. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him and, the, and anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Wow. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. A lot of time, being honest and confessing a fault or a weakness brings healing into our lives. As we go back through this, think about it for a minute. Is anyone sick? No qualification. Is anyone sick? That shows you God's will no matter what we face or we're struggling with. I'm standing right in front of you right now preaching on healing, struggling with my voice. But I'm winning right in front of you. I'm winning right in front of you. So we have to, to learn God's will for every one of us to be healed, no matter if we're healed or not, or we're struggling or whatever. Then it says, let him call for the elders. The him or them is the sick. When we first started teaching this, and it was new to a lot of people, and things, things have changed a lot, saints, over the years, I'm telling you. People would literally get mad at me when I didn't call them when they were sick. And nowhere in the Bible does it say... The elder will call you when you're sick. I'm not being defensive. I'm trying to help you. You're supposed to call the elders. Now, here's a revelation. This is James, the brother of Jesus. This is one of the apostles. Notice he didn't say, is any sick among you? Let him call me, James, because... When I die, it's over. Hello? Is any sick among you? Make sure you get to one of the apostles before they die, because when they die, it's over. And yet, how many entire denominations have been taught that? Now, is there any sick among you, the church? Let them call the elders of the church. And Paul appointed elders 
of every church. Every church has elders, senior citizens, seasoned citizens in the kingdom that you're supposed to call and they anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord and it says the prayer of faith. Not the prayer of begging, not the prayer of doubt and unbelief, not the prayer of you never know. The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. Thank you. Well, I tried that and it didn't work. Well, I'm sure glad you're not trying to breathe. You don't try to breathe. You just breathe. And I don't care how much oil we pour on your bald head. If you aren't raised up, if I'm not raised up, We've done something wrong. It's not God. And that's not condemning me or condemning you. We have to get to a point that we understand community and elders, approved leaders among us that know the Bible, have experience. When you think of Jacob and what I've, just me, Jacob, and Austin, what we've been through, just the three of us, not counting Terry, Stan, other elders among us, Jesse, I'm calling you an elder publicly. That's a grace elder, I guess. That's a... Amen. These are approved people among us that we know them. And I'm telling you, we will come to a place that we will believe it enough corporately that we'll see more and more and more manifestations of healing. There's not a week goes by, I don't pray for somebody, and they don't get healed. There's people getting healed every week, everywhere I go. Through the laying on of hands, through the anointing of oil. This is pretty cool. Uh, the reference, they've got it on the screen, of Mark chapter 6. After Jesus had taught, he sent disciples out. And it says that they, they went everywhere and they cast out demons. And don't you think for one minute, we don't need demons cast out of people in this hour. Man, this abortion thing is absolutely drawing the line in the sand. And it's God. It's God that's drawing the line in the sand. And there are entire organizations that are literally demonized. That want to kill every baby they can they can get to that want to pervert and groom little children for perversion. Want to groom our, our boys in the Boy Scouts now for perversion and pedophilia. And one of the, one of the marches in Seattle, the video is so grotesque and demonic I wouldn't be able to show it in a church service. I wouldn't be able to show it to certain people for embarrassment of grown men riding around on a bicycle naked in front of children. LGBTQA+, and the rainbow flag being waved. And they're doing things I can't even, I can't even say out loud in the streets in front of children for the right to kill a baby in the womb. This stuff is demonic. I used to read, you, you ought to, you, you ought to, thank you Jesus. You ought to go read Genesis and Sodom and Gomorrah. And when those angels went down there, what those, what those people did. How they surrounded Lot's house. How that... Lot offered his own daughters for sex, for them not to touch these holy men, these angels. And they were tearing the door down to get to those angels to have sex with them. That's demonic, saints. 
Jesus was one of those angels and he blinded them. This stuff is happening right under our nose. And we don't realize we better have the power of God to even deliver people from demons in this hour because they're demon-possessed. And we don't talk about it much. We don't teach a lot on it. But it's real. And, and a, part of, a part of the power of God in healing is when people get demon-possessed. Do you realize the madman of Gadara was naked? Running around naked? He was full of demons. And you know what he was doing? Cutting himself. Do you think for one minute the manipulation and mutilation of little children's body parts for transgenderism isn't demonic? They're not even fully developed. And now they're going to become an adult one day and they can't, they can't have kids. You can't fix what demons are pushing on our children. I don't know how I got off on this, but it was important. And I love you. But people need delivered from demons. If you're running around naked, doing the things that these people were doing, it's demonic. And we better have the power of God to deliver people from demons. Instead of all this fussing and fighting over non-essential issues. Praise the Lord. Well, somebody needed to know about a demon. Hallelujah. I don't know what. I just know a lot of sickness. If you're demon possessed, you're going to have some sickness issues. Big time. Big time. And I'm not saying anybody. Let me scan the crowd. I'm not saying anybody here is demon possessed and that's why you're sick. But I'm saying if you give place to demons, sickness is going to be very, very real. All right, the last one. Go to Matthew 18. And this is where we have to exercise ourselves as a church constantly is the prayer of agreement. Just the prayer of agreement. That we're going we're gonna to agree with God, we're going to agree with His Word, and we're going to pray in agreement together. Matthew 18, 18. Thank you, Jesus, for my voice. No wonder the devil tried to take my voice just a minute ago. Verse 18, Matthew 18, 18. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. See, there's a point where we already know what God's will is in heaven, and we're bringing it to earth. And we're conscious it's not being done on earth. I mean, you just look around. Earth is Satan's dwelling place. Earth is possessed literally by the God of this world and, and, and those who worship him. And those who worship the God of this world, the devil, he hates his worshipers. We Jesus people who worship Jesus, aren't you glad the one we worship loves us? Hallelujah. He loves us. We worship him and he heals us. They worship the devil and he kills them. He mutilates them. He causes them to commit suicide, etc., etc. We have to understand, we have to start binding stuff in the earth because it's already bound in heaven. And many times we're waiting on heaven to show up when it's our end that needs bound and loosed. Verse 19, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, I It will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Where two or three are gathered in his name, he is there in the midst of them. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we have to learn to pray we have to learn to pray in agreement. That word agreement means make a symphony. It's the word, we get our English word symphony, where two different sounds harmonize. And I really, be 
<coughs> thank you, Jesus. I really believe that we're coming into an age of prayer. That many of us have learned prayer individually. We've learned to stand and pray and receive for ourselves. And that's a good thing. But we want to be a community where we learn to stand and pray and stay in agreement. Amen. Well, did anybody get anything? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Father, as our church begins to mature and develop, as we begin to see Jesus as Lord, teach us, Jesus, to pray. Teach us, Lord, to pray better. To learn to agree with you. And to fight the good fight of faith. Thank you that we're called to this fight, anointed for this fight, and well able in your name to overcome in this fight. Lord, I continue to pray for our altar workers that you would use them in the anointing of oil as people come to them and ask to be anointed that they know how to pray the prayer of faith, that they know how to pray the prayer of agreement, even in the laying on of hands and in the anointing of oil. Thank you for these other methods. We can't get to them now, but they're very real. And we're grateful for the many different ways you reach out to us in grace. Great grace. This has been a great month with my brothers and sisters. Thank you for allowing me to get to share. And I praise you and thank you for all the signs, the wonders, the miracles, the healings that have happened and will continue to happen. When we do our posting of answering the questions and prayers, we pray and we agree now as a body that those in need that are a part of this extended community, will be healed. In Jesus' name and for His glory. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Praise God. If you got anything, give the Lord praise.